Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Comic publisher, guilty of plagiarism, subject of today's conversation. But first, got to let you guys know that uh, we do have a Patreon and our biggest supporters are A, watching us right this very minute, and B, they're getting all the videos before anybody else, completely mitigating the Kayfabe effect. Uh, so the Patreon pays for itself. If there's a book we talk about that you want, that becomes very expensive on the aftermarket. But the videos are brought to you by the books that we make, and you're looking at a bunch of them right here. I uh, have Red Room C Crypto Killers Issue 1 is going to be serialized, uh, is going to be solicited to your comic shop right at this very moment. It's going to be coming out in May, and two trade paperbacks of Red Room are out there right now. 10-year anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree, scoop up those books. Three volumes of X-Men Grand Design, Jimmy Has Forthcoming, Hulk Grand Design, trade paperback in that Treasury Edition format. Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive collection of all of his image Street Angel comics, as well as uh, Street Angel Princess of Poverty is forthcoming. Plain James is out there, and a uh, whole bunch of other stuff coming to you in the future. Without further ado, Jimmy, we have uh, from Fantagraphics, you can't disable the power of my label, Ray Bradbury, Home to Stay, the complete Ray Bradbury EC comics stories. Uh, shouts to Uncle Mike Catron who sent these to us after taking a look at our, our uh, Love and Rockets box set video where we were very vocal about, yo, Fantagraphics, we're friends. Send us comics, whatever press comics you have, you got to send a, a set to us to shout about the books on our giant wide platform. Mike hits us up and is like, want that Ray Bradbury mm. joint? And I said, fuck yes, I want that Ray Bradbury joint. It is sweet. Amazing way to uh, kind of package another round of EC Comics. You've seen it packaged uh, a thousand different ways. And uh, Fantagraphics will do this stuff that are that's like, you know, artist-based. Where it's like, here's the George Evans book of a bunch of stories. Here's the Jack Davis book of a bunch of stories. Uh, I like the Smorgasbord. EC Comics, to me, it's an anthology. Like, I don't want a hundred Wally Wood stories at once, necessarily. I want to see Jack Davis against Bill Elder, yada yada. You're getting that here with all the artists involved throughout the like four or so five year, year uh, association Ray Bradbury had with EC Comics that came about through plagiarism, essentially. Yes. This is this is an absolutely brilliant book. You know, you just don't know how these weeks are going to go whenever we're like, let's do this book, let's do that book. What a pleasure to spend a week looking at this book every night. I think, as you say, you know, like these this these comics have been basically in print since the 50s yes. in one form or another. This is a brilliant way to package them. And for people watching at home that maybe don't own any EC, what a way to jump into the deep end because you get so many of those artists represented. And this edition itself, as we get into it, the art is gorgeous. Yes. It makes me wonder, like, is this... It feels like the same size or damn close to the same size as those library set editions. The Russ sets. Very close to that. And so you get that oversize. You get the black and white, which really shows off these artists nicely. And it's crisp. Yes. You know, like some of the fine lines, man. Beautiful reproductions on this thing. Ray Bradbury up to this point had, uh, I think, two collections out of short stories because he has they print up one of his uh, bios from the issues in the back here and he's working on the third book collection which would be that's probably right here right his bio or uh, this is the update this is the current 
Gotcha. Yeah, there's like the one that, that they would do on all the artists that would be on like the inside covers. Try to find that real quick. One of the interesting back matter stories is um, whenever he realizes that EC's using his stories, he can't even afford the lawyer costs he was to take him to court and in, instead writes this clever letter that's pretty uh, pretty well known saying, oh, you guys, uh, you forgot to pay me for that one. And uh, and what a great marriage. The re the revelation was that he was he was prepared to sue them. He yes. was prepared to just go do what what one does when they see that their work is being plagiarized. You, you sue them. The lawyers wanted the lawyers wanted uh, two thousand dollars. I didn't have two thousand dollars thinking money because uh, the, that's what the lawyers wanted for a retainer to to do it. And in his words, he he said like uh, you know more people should uh, be Christian minded and and uh, good citizens and, and 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 think positive about their fellow man. So he he thought of this approach. You need the letter, right? Like this book cannot exist if you do not print that letter in its pages, which they were very good about doing. And not only is he like, listen, yes, I made that check for 50 bucks, but what if we do more? What if you do a whole issue of my stuff? It must be a gas to uh, see your work adapted in this way, especially if you're Ray Bradbury, who is a comic fan, who as a kid, part of fandom, he was a part of fandom with Isaac Asimov and the editors of DC Comics, Julie Schwartz, like all those guys, they were the early fandom guys, man. He was clipping out Buck Rogers and all of that kind of material from, from the daily strips and said that, you know, his mom got rid of this shit. So this dude is deep. Some reader brings these comics to Ray Bradbury is like, hey man, they're adapting your shit. And uh, he makes note of that. Uh, the cool thing about this book, the way that it's laid out, you have Dark Carnival, which is a Ray Bradbury collection. You have uh, Dark Carnival Variations. These are some of the first adaptations EC would do in crunch time. Uh, in this forward matter here, this frontis work, uh, talks about how Feldstein and Gaines needed to come up with a story every day by 5 p.m. to hand off to the letterer. And uh, if a story, they're batting something out and it doesn't work, they still need something by 5 p.m. So Feldstein is taking a little bit of this story from Ray Bradbury, a little bit of that story, and making something a little different. It might even take some um, aesthetic piece. Like there's this like guy that has no bones and is just like a blob. And you start with that and work your way back. You know, that's something that was, you know, the end result of a uh, Ray Bradbury story. And uh, you kind of create your own thing, but the aesthetic comes from that comic. So that's the variations. And then there was Martian Chronicles. So you have all the adaptation of Martian Chronicles stories, but then you have the variants where they were inspired by the Ray Bradbury stuff, but didn't take or adapt the piece wholesale. And then the book that Bradbury was kind of working on uh, while all this stuff was going down was uh, The Illustrated Man. And it was probably collecting uh, short stories that would have been published in like Collier's Magazine and various other places. So the stories were out in the wild and they were able to uh, play around and adapt those uh, works. But you see how it's all laid out here. It's not linear in terms of publication date or anything. It's more about uh, Ray Bradbury's uh, bibliography than anything else. They do a great job though with the meta information of yeah. like what issues this appeared in, what year it appeared. I like all that stuff and there's so many reprints at this point in my collection that don't do that. Yeah. And I'll be digging around being like, well, when was this story done? 
and it's so frustrating when that info is not there. It's true. They, they do a great job cataloging all of that here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Fantagraphics it has become a, a, a proper book publisher at this point. And I feel like this book is an evidence of that. Like, this is going to sell to a different audience than the, those other EC books that they have done. And they've made a, a very, like, this is the final statement kind of package. Uh, not too long ago, I found a video on YouTube that probably anybody could find if it's still up there, where uh, there's interviews with all the people from EC Comics who are still alive. It starts off with Marie Severin talking. Then it goes through Al Williamson, Feldstein, Jack Davis, uh, lots of people. And uh, on that channel is like a one-hour video with Ray Bradbury chilling with Al Feldstein, looking through old comics and... and artwork so like that that's a good companion video to watch after you see this one but Bradbury being a part of fandom in the early days the reason why we probably still get to go to San Diego Comic-Con is because his speaking fee was quite expensive and those dudes like Sheldorf and the original sort of stewards of San Diego Comic-Con did not have that money to burn to get him to show up so Bradbury proposed if you make your 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 consortium a nonprofit organization i will forego my speaking fee to show up there but you got to give your um the profits to to charity or, or whatever feed feed the rest of the business um when you create a nonprofit, you have to have a charter and you have to abide by that charter so san diego comic-con is stuck with us now the comic people like if that charter was not created don't think for a second that they <laughs> wouldn't get some new loot crate kind of uh, company to take up uh, Fantagraphics table and Penthouse Magazine to take up Top Shelf's booth <laughs> or something like that. We still get to be a little cancer on that uh, huge monster because of the finagling that was done in the 70s to get Ray Bradbury to show up to your convention. And him being a uh, friend of Ray Harryhausen, who's also a fanboy, you get to get him also. All that stuff is talked about in, in this this front matter here. Which I love is that content. Great context. Mm -hmm. Great context for the stories that you're about to read. It, it gives you a complete picture of the stuff you're about to see. And another homework that they talk about here is, like, Wally Wood becomes Wally Wood by way of the stories that are uh, adapted here. And I think that's an interesting thesis. You know, like, I have to think about that a little bit. It certainly was the sci-fi books that people think of first when you think of Wally Wood probably but uh, never really heard it put put that way Chris black and white Joe Orlando here and yeah. it, it made me think because we've looked at Swamp Thing recently right and uh, Joe Orlando your editor it's just so interesting to see kind of the lines of these guys you know the careers they go through the connections that span generations in a weird way yep all key artists uh, are represented and you just know that Ray Bradbury was waxing all over the place. This is one of the great shock suspense stories. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> gonna say, let's linger on this for a second. All these D, uh, all these corpses with their heads cut off, but also they're all obscured in some way, so you don't see the most grisly part of this image. Yeah, yeah, that's a hard image to compose, man. <laughs> for sure, for sure it is. But how comical does it look in a lot of ways? Like these are in horror comics that are known for being like going too far, over the top, and yet. A lot of restraint on this full-page splash. It's still the 50s. And I wonder, man, is there another EC comic that ends on a full-page splash? That's it, a rarity. It is a rarity. Absolutely, man. 
Super fun though, if you're gonna bang one out, I can't imagine a better image. That's from Shock Suspense Stories. I remember buying this comic at a uh, flea market mm. and getting to that page, because I, like, I know how to read that shit. You do, do not have all restraint. Do not no. look at that last panel. Jack Kamen may be the MVP for me going through this collection. So many stories by Kamen, and he's not a guy, th you know, you think of like the big EC guys, and he's not a guy at the top of my list. Mm -hmm. But he is represented a lot in this collection, and it's it shines, man. All of this work looks phenomenal, as you can see. Like the the black and white is just so crisp. They did a great job, Fanta, on their on the reproduction. I don't know how this stuff works at this time period now, like how people are getting films to shoot from, whatever. I, I think, but this is just really beautifully. I'm quite sure they uh, just scan in the uh, black and white Russ Cochran's at the, at this wow. point because that's that's how put it this way. That's how they get the Carl Bork stuff. They have all the big blue books, slip mm -hmm. cases, and that's how they uh, scan that stuff. So I'm imagining they just use that. Those are very high fidelity. Uh, the premium that you were paying for those comics were because they were, you know, making sure there wasn't much bleed. When you have uh, Williamson showing up, man, like like that, that's, that's, a, that's a hard contender yeah, in and MVPs. Right, and that's some of the stuff that really I think you show off kind of the reproduction because he has some of these lines that are just so fine and yet perfectly crisp. Yeah, I really like it on the great. gloss, man. I like it on the glossy paper. Yeah, I do too. I was reading this, uh, you know, reading this in bed in the evenings. So I have my reading light hitting it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be a real problem on gloss. I don't know what's up with this. There's, it's almost a, uh, a, a satin finish on top of it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have that high gloss that I normally think of as, as a gloss you know, co coated paper, but yeah, I think this may be a satin finish on the very top of it. And, oh my uh, goodness. Boy, does it shine. This is one of those uh, pieces Classic. that that I uh, got at a flea market when I was a kid too. It, it would be, it would be these things that I would get. Like, like I bought this directly off of the newsstand at Shop and Save in 1991. I'm born in 82. Uh, I cite this comic as like such a revelation to me about like broadening my comics horizons you see how they would treat the official adaptations by putting ray bradbury's name on that cover very big uh everything about this comic fucking freaked me out uh you see how floppy it is <laughs> because it's so freaking well read and the story that's in this guy is the black ferris and jimmy i believed this shit man i was a little brunette boy i had a little blonde friend and i showed him this comic and i'm like dude i think this is us I think I think it's our job, you know, Monster Squad and uh, Little Monsters and shit was out then. I was like, dude, I think it's our job to hunt demons and shit. Castlevania was out, <laughs> and we would like go through the woods and pick up debris and be like, I think this is an amulet from Dracula. Like we would do that shit, and and this was like our Bible, man. But this is the uh, Ray Bradbury story, and from this issue, ghastly ass image right there. Yeah. But what you what these uh. It was very wise what Cochran did because these would be 64-page comics coming out with pretty reliable frequency, man. Three in a month, uh, you know, pretty pretty sharp. You start them off with a tried-and-true horror story. Of course. And then, because it's 64 pages, uh, Cochran's putting his favorite shit in there. Very often you get into sci-fis, but uh, you, you'll get... A shock suspense stories in the back half you'll get a crime suspense story in the back half and this is the stuff where i'm like i'll never get to draw comics if this is what you have to do 
to be a successful comic artist ain't gonna happen. I just, I don't have those tools. I recognize that in like fourth grade. One of those great ones too, man, where it's the quickie stories inside the offices of EC where it's Gaines and Feldstein meeting <laughs> a guy who's an enterprising new cartoonist and, you know, he sucks or whatever. And it's one of those stories too where it's like two short stories in, in one. Yeah, I've never seen that story, I don't think. Yeah. Makes me really curious. Yeah, it's a good one, man. But I digress. Speaking of crime suspense stories, right? I think that was my first box set of the EC stuff because yeah. I love Johnny Craig so much. That's this, the thing, too, is like it's so hard to categorize the or to rank these artists because the other MVP in this collection for me is Jack Davis, which is going to be an MVP anytime he appears, but he's in here quite a bit. And, of course, I love... You know, Kriegstein's my guy. I think this is the only Kriegstein story in this collection. Yeah. Which is a bummer. But another example of like the lines that are being reproduced here, what must these lines have looked like in the original printings oh, of just these books? Just mud, just mud. It, it's, it's wild what he's putting down on the page, knowing how they're going to reproduce. This is an important story too, man. Like when I would have uh, storytelling classes at, at art school, the teacher wanted me to, like this was a part of the first uh, EC box set that I had. It was the uh, Incredible Science Fantasy one with a Frazetta co cover. And uh, he knew that I had that. He's like, dude, bring that in because I got this whole spiel. I want to go on, on the strength of this. And he's talking about how how like the lines like flow yeah. from panel to panel. He called it gestalt theory, where there would just be these kind of flowing compositions from one panel to the next. But then like there will be bits up here that connect with bits down here to create this like holistic piece, but well-composed panels individually and pushing you into the next panel plus you can't sneeze at the fact that the line art um is based on the subject matter of the story too which is something that Krigstein uh was very very sharp at doing he nobody there is no other person like Krigstein. no we're so lucky that he got hooked up with ec so that we get get to see him shine on many of these stories some of my uh favorite collaborations in pen and ink are the severin elder collaboration Brilliant. where where uh those guys are when they're when they're singing you know they did a kurtzman war books together a lot uh, a very few of these other sci-fi stories and things but like it's just such a pleasing line i love whenever guys who are known for one genre will come and do something else yeah and uh and, and that you know flipping through and calling attention to them there you go man yeah your, your memory is on display uh but it really points to what a great collection this is because you get representation from basically everybody. It's true. So you could see like what Jimmy's talking about with the fidelity, like you got these like little thin lines here. Like look how that stuff, like, okay, this dry brush, it just becomes a pool of black when it's in its final printed iteration. Yeah, dot, dot gain uh, in the printing game is what that would be called. And in these like newsprint, there's a lot of dot gain. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's your ink bleeding out once it hits the paper and gets absorbed, <laughs> like a paper towel. Such a funny thing where you got to get a little naked boy yeah, yeah. outside. <laughs> Strategic uh, kayfabe leaves. So, similar problem to how do you show decapitated corpses without <laughs> showing that gaping neck wound. Look at this kind of like, oh man, you know, like the lighting effects there. And this is Cayman. Oh yeah. Um, everybody there could do top-notch work you know like if this was a single creator or in a typical golden age book where you get five or six strips all the ec dudes would be the ones that would stand out you know like you buy these books for for one artist of this caliber right 
<laughs> this is a classic one, man. I think in the uh, Peter Cushing 1970s Tales from the Crypt movie, I think this is one of the adaptations that's in there. It definitely was adapted on the on the TV show, where Blind Alley, uh, a blind man gets fucked over. So then you got you know the bad guy gets uh, <laughs> a sea, I guess a sea of, of blind people <laughs> push him into a little corridor that has no light to it. Speaking of lighting, man, look at that, even on the fingers. We're going to need a rabid dog or <laughs> a dog that's very, very hungry to come running through this guy running in between, you know, the where the where the um, insulation is in the house, razor blades sticking out of all the wood. So now there's this ravenous dog chasing him through the razor blade walls. Those are some sick fucks, man. Yeah, and then some idiot turned out the lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's brutal. That's a great, great imagery for a kid. Yeah, for totally. a kid, for a young reader. So in the if inside front covers of EC books, they would they really trumpeted their artists. Mm -hmm. It was so, like really the first publisher to do so, man, to call attention to their artists, let them sign their works in their own distinctive ways. And they all had very elaborate signatures. It makes you wonder, like, was that a like you know, Gaines is like, show off. Because they all had elaborate signatures. Something that Gaines took heat from other publishers for. I believe it. I believe it. Like, I, I could imagine a little NWA, like, wannabe collusion where, like, hey, man, you want to make stars out of these guys? Uh, so very cool that Ray Bradbury gets his. And you see, he was just a kid at this time, man. You know, 33 years old, something like that. Had two two collections out. And, uh, you know, working on the... the uh, Illustrated Man, or no, the Golden Apples of the Sun is the one that's going to be coming out from Doubleday uh, sooner than later by the time of this piece. Got a little afterward by Ray Bradbury, which I think is a transcript of a conversation, yeah, at the very first San Diego Comic-Con. That's what we're looking at here, a transcription from that. Uh, you know, they would do those those uh, little magazine pieces. Uh, you can listen to the actual missive from Ray Bradbury himself at this website, ComicConMemories.com. There's the letter. And then uh, talking about Ray Bradbury's fandom in the end here. Wasn't sure what to pull from that, that uh, correspondence page that's included. Yeah. I guess people just uh, appreciating Ray Bradbury back, the, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just from one specific letter. Like, it's not uh, a gang of... Mm -hmm. Stuff. All this is this is the stuff that's talking about like it's a Wally Wood article, right? Just talking about how he sort of came into his own. Yeah, that evolution over a couple years. A little bit of artisan edition type type energy. Yeah, always great to see this kind of stuff. You know, and I've mentioned this a couple times, but you can see what would have been like the blue line. Sure. And and maybe they were gray yeah, printed gray at the there. time. And uh, that would have like some of the ruled lines and things like that on them. So early on, the, the comics were uh, branding their boards and passing them out. There goes your covers. I guess these are the ones where they're stealing. You'll see Ray Bradbury's name all big. Frazetta paperback covers for Bradbury, dude. It's the sphere of influence, Jimmy. How uh, smart is it on not just Bradbury's part, but also EC's when they're like, yeah, let's keep doing this and let's put the name on the cover. Oh, totally. You know, let, let's, uh, let's, it, it's just, uh, it's what you want to see the solution. Yeah, but so frequently that's not how these things would be handled. Right? Yeah, listen, Bradbury, the only reason he didn't sue <laughs> is he didn't have, want to spend the money. <laughs> you know, that's such a revelation. These late period paintings that Feldstein would do, I used to get the Russ Cochran uh, catalogs mm -hmm. and these originals would be for sale. And I couldn't believe it because like 
even as a kid, like they weren't that, it, it was like $2,000, which is like, you know, that's like a couple years allowance, but it's not so much. If I had that money, I would buy that. No problem. Really good Reader's Digest, like bios for everybody. And it's everybody like Fanta is legit, man. So like you're getting Roy Crankle uh, bios, even though his name ain't nowhere on the printed comic. They know that the Flegel gang is putting this shit together and that Roy Crankle was drawing those backgrounds. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost revising some of the credit boxes. Yeah. Because I think that Crankle is cited in that table of contents sure. under a couple of those stories that he worked on. Yeah, absolutely. And he gets a name call out in the back. Yeah. You want to call... I, does he? Am I, yeah, yeah. Am I Roy allowed? Crankle. Okay, yeah. Carl Wessler is like one of the writers that would be doing uh, some of the uh, adapting. Yeah, like I say, they, they have come so far in these kind of like reprints and archival material and the background material. It really adds to a book like this. Great package. Uh, all the Ray Bradbury stories. It makes so much sense that this exists. And uh, for your Bradbury fans at home, man. This is one of those gifts, like I always think, like when I was a kid, it was like, you know what? Should only buy comics for everybody. Yeah. But it's a challenge. This would check off a lot of lists, you know, yeah. for the sci-fi fans, for the readers in your life that maybe aren't into comics yet, but do enjoy some genre work. This would be a beautiful gift book. It's the truth, and shouts to Uncle Mike Catron for sending us a couple copies to show off. Man, very proud to uh, to share this with the cartoonist Kayfabe audience. But there it is. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We can notify you when new vids are available. And we do have a Patreon uh, for our biggest supporters out there. You are, uh, if you're part of that, you could be watching us stream these recording sessions live. You get all the videos before anybody else does. Completely mitigates the kayfabe effect. And uh, Jimmy, tell the people what you have out there. Hulk Grand Design, Street Angel Princess of Poverty. Pre-order, reserve those books at your local comic shop or wherever you buy books. Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive and The Plain Janes, also available and in print now. You can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see more of my original art. You can download out of print zines and mini comics. I just posted some blue line templates that are free for anybody to download and use. And you can keep up with my uh, upcoming comics there on my Patreon. Red Room Crypto Killers Issue 1 is being solicited to your local comic shop at this very moment. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. With Red Room Comics, you can hit my Patreon up. I'm serializing the new Red Room stuff before it hits paper. Three bucks for the archive there. There are two existing Red Room trade paperbacks out there. Red Room The Antisocial Network and Red Room Trigger Warnings. Hip Hop Family Tree is celebrating its 10-year anniversary this year. Thanks for pumping up those numbers on uh, the Amazon aftermarkets. Uh, X-Men Grand Design, three volumes of that in existence, and you'll find the occasional WYSIWYG if you look good and hard enough. Jimmy, what else do we have out there, dude? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, mugs, stickers, fanny packs, and more merch at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. A fantastic way to support the channel. Given those marching orders, Jim, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.